So hi, welcome to the Good Noise Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm Glory. And we're here with Diamante. And we're gonna ask her some questions today. I'm gonna start. Uh, so what inspired you to start making music? Definitely my love for singing. Ever since I was six, seven years old, I was obsessed with singing along to Disney movies like The Little Mermaid. So I would be in the shower Banger. and I <laughs> and hours on end just singing. That's all I did. And my parents definitely picked up on that. So they pushed me to, you know, audition for my school musical in elementary school. And that was the first time I ever went on stage. And so it definitely started for me just singing in my room for hours on end. I love that. Um, all right. What was your go-to Disney song to sing, though? Part of your world. Always. Okay. Yeah, always. I can respect that. Yeah, I was Banger. obsessed with Ariel. I always wanted the red hair. Mm-hmm. All of well, you got the blue hair now, so... I, yeah, I do now, but I did have a red hair phase in high school because I had to do it. I mean, yeah, everybody should. It. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so congratulations on your newest release, American Dream. Yeah. How do you feel the response to it so far? Of course. Oh, thank you so much. It's been incredible. It's been emotional, overwhelming, especially because, you know, the fans know that it's really just me this time. So because of that, they've been so supportive and just so incredible. And the songs have really, I felt, resonated with a lot of people. So that makes me happy because that's ultimately why I like making music in the first place. So it's been awesome. I love it. I'm so happy to hear that. Uh, so is there any meaning behind the album name or the cover art? Yeah. So American Dream, the song, was actually the last song I ended up writing for the album. Hmm. And I didn't have an album title up until that point. And when I heard the phrase American Dream, I was like, that's it. Ding, mm-hmm. ding, ding. A, because this was my first release independently, my first album released without a label. So that in itself is like an American Dream. You're doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. And then... The other reasoning is that my mom is from Mexico, my dad's from Italy, and they came here to the U.S. And if they had never done that, I wouldn't be, you know, singing or making music or or doing any of the stuff that I'm doing right now. So that's also an American dream. Mm -hmm. And then um, the cool thing is that the cover, I was able to be really hands on with how it looked, uh, the concept. I shot it with Kevin Baldez, who's the bass player of Lit. And we did it in his garage, very DIY, very low key. <laughs> and I just wanted something that was Americana, but classic and retro. And then I sat with a graphic designer and like down to the very shade of red and the font, everything. I was, I love visual stuff too. So I'm all about designing covers and, and videos and visual imagery. Mm-hmm. So this, this sorry, whole yeah. uh, independent thing sounds like it's built for you so you can be as hands-on <laughs> yeah. as possible. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. When you were with the label, were you not able to be as hands-on? Was it like, we'll take care of everything you just sing? So is that why you're like very excited or are you just very passionate about, you know, digital stuff? A little bit of both. I mean, there were certain things that they asked my opinion on more than others. Like, mm-hmm. You know, for example, I didn't get to pick the color of the vinyl for my first album. Like just certain oh. things, you know, I didn't get to pick the name of the album. So this time around, I was like, oh my gosh, I have all this new power. This is so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of stupid how they didn't let you pick like your own name for the album. That's so I, I know. I guess it's kind of standard when you first start out. So I was like, okay. But uh-huh. like I said, this time I was like, no one's telling me what I can and can't do. So it was just free reign on everything yeah yeah all right i'm glad you have that now it's good (laughs) 
Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about your writing process for this album? Yeah, so what I love about this album is that I started writing it without really knowing that I started writing it. And what I mean by that is that two years ago is when I first started writing the songs that ended up on this album. And I was going through something that was heartbreaking. I was feeling a lot of just betrayal. I didn't have closure. I was just in a bad place. So my coping mechanism is to write it and put it in song form because when I get it out like that and I'm just honest, that to me is super healing. So I was just booking writing sessions with writers that I liked working with. And before I knew it, I started building this collection of songs and I just, I kept writing and every song is based, especially on this album, off of personal experience down to the very detail. When I look back on every song, I'm like, this is kind of an autobiography just in sonic form. And so the album was just like the chronological order of my life and real life events that happened to me. So I really drew from real life experience when I was writing the songs for this album. That's crazy. All right. <laughs> uh, so is, do you have a favorite lyric from this album? And if you do, can you explain the meaning behind it? Oh, that's a good one. Um, oh my gosh. I feel like there's always one lyric from each song that I think I really love, but. Gotta pick one. Like the story yeah, just one. <laughs> one lyric is uh, Off American Dream, the song. And it's because I had to come up with it right on the spot. So my producer, Howard Benson, when I was recording the vocals for this song, he was saying, well, you know, every chorus is the same lyric and the same melody. So why don't you like switch up a lyric on the very last chorus just to make it different? Mm -hmm. And in the first two choruses, it's got me doing bad things in your new Mercedes. And so I was like, okay, like think, Dio, like what should this last lyric be? And so right on the spot, I'm like, doing bad things like it's 1980 and he goes i love it and so i loved it so much that i put it on a shirt and it's like now my life motto <laughs> doing bad things like it's 1980 that's iconic what's it like working with howard benson because i know like he's a legendary producer it's awesome i mean it was intimidating at first because i was just nine, 18 19 when i first started working with him and i had never worked with a producer of that caliber or even done a full-length album so I was very um nervous at the beginning but he has taught me so much when it comes to writing because he's the one who would tell me like do you really have to push yourself to that kind of uncomfortable painful place when you're writing a song because that's when the real magic happens and that's when your people can feel when you're being honest in your songwriting and then like vocally in the booth, he would push me really hard and he would say stuff like, I didn't believe you. I didn't believe a single word that came out of your mouth. Do that again. Make yeah. me believe you. Wow. So I love being pushed like that. Mm -hmm. And so I think he was like totally instrumental in me growing as a songwriter and a singer. I love it. Wow. I'm so happy you had that influence with you, even like so young to build you up now. It's crazy. Yeah, he was there from the very beginning and he would tell me, when we were making the first album, like just a heads up, there's a big possibility that this album never sees the light of day. I've seen it happen a million times. So just be ready for that. And so, I've always loved how honest he is with me too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sounds like That's it. a little daunting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, so you kind of went into it a little bit, but if you want, you could go a bit more in depth. Uh, can you tell me where Headspace was while creating this album? It was excitement because I had this newfound 
kind of creative freedom that I never had before. Mm-hmm. It was fear because I'm doing it myself this time. So if it doesn't go well, now the blame is kind of just on me. There's nobody else to blame because I have so much say and so much control over how this album sounds and the songs on it and down to like the way I promote it, everything. Cause I'm acting as my own label now. Um, and it was also like, I felt like because I had already done that first album with a label, I knew the steps you needed to take to make an album, release it and all that. So when I ended up parting ways with that label, my thought process was like, I can't just stop. I need to keep going. And I, I've seen it happen. I know what to do. So let's just see what happens if I do it on my own. It's very experimental. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you're able to kind of like watch the label do everything. Be like, oh yeah, I could do that myself. <laughs> let me let me just put out my own album, be my own label. Like, that's awesome. That's good. Yeah, um, I, I learned a lot and also going to school at the same time. So I was mm-hmm. just like, yeah, let's see what happens. Why not? And I'm glad your answer wasn't just, I was very depressed while working <laughs> on the record because that's the go-to answer most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, there was, you know, there was the pandemic and mm-hmm. being stuck at home. So there were a lot of days where I would wake up and I'd say, you know, what's the point of even making this album? So I had to motivate myself every day just to get up and finish a song or go and record it. But I'm so glad that I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, it was like your pandemic record. What was it like working on it during that? Um, it was different because on that first album, I was literally being placed with a million different songwriters. I was going to a different studio every day, meeting all these strangers and just kind of doing that for like two years straight. And this time around, I picked like the five or six writers that I really loved writing with and just focused on only writing with them. And it was always, you know, like on Zoom or I'd be in my living room. Mm -hmm. And I think because they weren't strangers. I was able to feel more open with them and mm-hmm. really get to that like gritty, gritty songwriting and really go to those uncomfortable, painful places. So it was very different from that first album. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how'd the track list come about? Did you like piece it together to tell a story or like, did you play it through a couple times and be like, that's the one that works? Um, it was a little bit of both. I always knew because the songs were basically telling my life story that Mm -hmm. I wanted it in the order in which the events happened. So I wanted it chronological, but I also had Howard and Neil, my two producers give their insight on where they thought that the songs fit best. Cause you also have to think like sonically, which song is going to lead best into the next song. And so when you look at the track list, it's definitely on purpose, the ordering of the songs. It's like the heartbreak. And then it goes to, okay my self-esteem is low and i'm hitting rock bottom and you get to the middle of the album where unlovable it is and then i kind of rediscover who i am and i and i gain my confidence back and then i meet somebody and i fall in love and it's definitely a story arc when you look at it that way Hell yeah. that's amazing i love when people actually like organize it and make it tell a story rather than just okay i shuffled it there you go it's done <laughs> <laughs> so thank you <laughs> thank you for that uh, so, do you have a favorite memory while creating this album? Ooh, a favorite memory. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think I'd have to say the collaboration with Ben from Breaking Ben because it was just so epic. What I ended up doing to record that song with him is I flew to Reno 
because Breaking Ben was on tour and he wanted to sing the song at the same time in the same room because he was like very adamant that it was going to create a whole different kind of magic if we did it like that. So I was like, okay, I got on a plane. I went to Reno. I got to see the Breaking Ben show with Corn. It was epic. And then lucky. after, oh, so lucky. That was my first time seeing Corn too. So it was awesome. Ooh, God damn. Yeah. I'm wearing a Corn hoodie right now. <laughs> of course you are. Of course you are. And then the next day is the day after and we're on the tour bus and we're recording these vocals and I'm like, what is my life right now? This is so cool. So I'll always remember that. That's awesome. I love how it. Many, how many takes did that go for? Like how many takes did you need to get it all in like one? Because you both were singing at the same time. Was it just like, it took like two seconds for us to actually get it the final take? It actually took a little bit because our plan of action was let's sing every part possible and then mm-hmm. decide later who sings what part because you can't like if you get everything and then you can always take things out but if you don't get everything and you're like man I wish I would have sang that one part Mm -hmm. so we made sure to cover like the entire song all parts we could possibly think of and then after the fact like kind of jigsaw puzzle it how it does now that's cool that's sick all right uh so do you have any pre-show rituals oh man um I kind of do yeah so I'm really bad because I don't do the technical vocal warm-ups that you're supposed to do. I know I should, but my thing is I love just singing along to my favorite songs as I'm doing my makeup, getting ready for the show. It's like my Zen mode because at all other hours of the day, I'm like surrounded by a million people and I'm in the green room with the band or I'm talking to the fans or I'm with like the other people on the tour at all times. So this is like my one time to just be alone and not have to talk to anybody. So Mm -hmm. I like just doing my makeup and singing for an hour or an hour and a half. Um, I do drink like massive amounts of tea and water during show days. Mm -hmm. And I always do like the one it's kind of like a good luck tequila shot, but nothing past that. Just yeah, like yeah, yeah. Good luck tequila shot. Yeah, you don't want to go overboard because then that's a different type of show. Sneak once or twice. And it's not. Yeah, yeah. Don't want to do that. Uh, so, what top three songs are you looking forward to playing live off of this album the most? Oh, um, am I allowed to swear on this? First of all, of course. Yeah. Okay. okay I always have to ask on "Fuck You" because it's one of the heavier songs on the album and mm-hmm. i think um for the people who don't know me when they hear that song they're like what did i just see mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> definitely be a shocker um american dream because it's the title track mm-hmm. and then probably ghost myself because that seems to be a lot of people's favorite and it's very high energy and it's mm-hmm. kind of got this like rob zombie feel to it so mm-hmm. those three Right. I'm glad you Taste. picked on Fuck You. I think that was my favorite song from the album. <laughs> uh, so I need you to picture this. You're on tour and you're at a gas station for a rest stop. What is your snack of choice? Oh, easy. It's the hot Cheetos fries or just the hot fries. Any like spicy snack that's just god awful for you, my favorite. And then if I'm feeling like particularly spunky, I'll get mm-hmm. the Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> with the hot fries and like a blue gatorade i love that. <gasps> blue gatorade's elite it's the best flavor mm-hmm. I, have to, I tried like white gatorade the other day i don't get it don't get i don't get it no i don't get it it's very disappointing um, <laughs> uh, so this one should be super super quick off the top of your head i want you to describe this album for new listeners in three words raw honest 
fun. Those All are right. perfect. That's good. Um, so I know you just released this album, but are you working on anything new that you might be able to spill the beans on? I okay. I'm kind of crazy because I actually am already starting to write new songs. Just because I I love creating, and especially now since I'm not on tour, I'm like this is the best possible time to to write, to make music. And so I am writing new stuff always. Mm -hmm. But what I can say that's coming soon is I'm about to release two really epic music videos for this album. And I shot them in three days, three music videos in three days. Oh, wow. First one is the Ghost Myself video and then these okay. other ones. And they're all so different. I look really different. I'm playing like a different role in each of these videos. And they're almost like mini movies so i'm so excited for people to see these that's awesome will it be like a mini series where they all kind of connect together or are they their own thing what? no they don't really connect they're like vastly different but I, that was kind of the point because i've never done those kind of music videos where like i'm playing a whole different type of person mm -hmm. okay. okay i'm very excited to see what you uh did yeah. you know <laughs> you sound very excited about it so oh, yeah. i'm excited to see what you did uh, so where do you see the project in the next five years? Ooh. Um, well, one thing that I am dying to do, which I haven't done yet, is tour mm -hmm. in Europe. Even like tour just internationally, because I've only done Canada and the U.S. So if I'm like playing arenas in Japan and Mexico and Europe, I'm living the life. And that's definitely the goal in the next five years. Hell yeah. Solid. Hope you get to tour internationally mm -hmm. with, the, with the shows opening back up. Oh, God bless. <laughs> uh, so for the last couple of questions, we're actually going to shift away from music and go straight to death row. Boom. So if you're on death row, what would your last meal be with a drink? With a drink? Oh mm -hmm. my gosh. Okay. Probably a ribeye steak with truffle fries and... A jalapeno margarita. All right. Ooh, Going out fancy. Very... Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, Truffle I'm fries? Them, I'm going to make them work for it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Drain the budget. Uh, so if you could live in one fictional world for a week, where would you live? Fictional world. Oh, mm -hmm. my gosh. I would love to be in the Shire, Lord of the Rings, oh. for a week and go to all the Hobbit parties and drink all the Hobbit beer and just have like a merry old time. I feel like they would love your hair. Oh, yeah. Hogwarts. What's your what's your house? I'm totally Ravenclaw. 100%. I can see that. Yep. I can see that. Makes sense. Uh, so I've gone to asking the last question and every single person we've spoken to have said that it is the most important question. What's your favorite color? <laughs> um, blue. Definitely okay. blue. Red is a very close second. Very close. I figured it was going to be red from the conversation earlier. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as I said, that's all the questions we have to say. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Just that the album is out now. I'm very, very proud of it. And I'm so grateful for the response that I've gotten so far. I have a couple festivals announced in September. Incarceration so far and Louder Than Life. And I can't wait to hopefully see everybody there. Hell yeah. All right. Well, thank you for sitting out with us. It's been Diamante and we're the Good yeah. Noise podcast. <laughs>